Hi, and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch, where we'll be talking about Worcester arts, entertainment, and culture. I'm Telegram Gazette Entertainment Editor Victor Infante, and I'm here today with TNG reporter Craig Seaman. Hi, Craig. Hi, Victor. It's great to see you. Good to see you, too. And just a note, our theme music was composed by one of the biggest up-and-coming artists in the Worcester hip-hop scene, DJ Manipulator. You can find his music at djmanipulator.bandcamp.com. And it feels appropriate to start things off by one of the Worcester scene's newest voices, because we're going to be talking a bit about one of the scene's most defining phrases, Wormtown. Craig, you wrote a story recently for the TNG about the city's sometimes beloved, sometimes maligned nickname. Tell us where the name comes from. Yes, Victor, I would love to. As local legend goes, former WICN and WCW disc jockey Leonard B. Sarinen, I probably butchered that, <laughs> a.k.a. L.B. Worm, was writing a fanzine about the local music scene and needed a catchy name for his photocopy rants. On May 1st, 1978, he printed the first issue of Wormtown, Punk Punk Press, and with it, the moniker Wormtown was born. And that was sort of at, really at the genesis of the Worcester punk scene. There really wasn't much of a rock a punk scene particularly at that point. Absolutely. As, uh, as uh, Mr. Worm said, at the time there was no punk rock scene in Worcester. The music scene was all country bands and cover bands and hair bands. <laughs> And uh, a major rock scene was going on in the world, being the punk rock movement. And, and Worcester was dead, so he figured, dead, worms, worm town. It's as easy as that. And, and a, a few people took, did not take to it very kindly, that nickname, when it got around. Even though, obviously, it's, it was popular enough to spread fast. Absolutely. Most of the, what I would refer to as the old god... Mm -hmm. Pretty much uh, across the streets, uh, City Hall, the councilors, uh, uh, Jordan Levy um, was never a big fan of it, nor is he a big fan of the term now. Hmm. Uh, he was probably the most uh, outspoken of the opponents to the name. But 40 years later, we're still talking about it. And, and I think it's funny because and I remember reading in your story, um, Levy talking about how we should be concentrating on other more positive things and you know, it sounds like it's and kicking the city whatever i don't remember exactly right. what he said but the fact of the matter is they were creating something there they were creating something that was actually vibrant and energetic and that lasted all this time absolutely and one thing when i think of the term worm town because mm -hmm. i'm a lifetime uh, worcester boy as you know yep and uh, i always thought it was a cool thing and it made me think of two things uh, Pink Floyd's Hey You, the line about the worms uh, ate into his brain, which not necessarily is a part, but having a Pink Floyd connotation is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, 78, uh, 79, The Wall was the biggest album out there. Yep. And on a more scholarly note, I think of Shakespeare going to Hamlet when uh, Claudius says, Hamlet, where's Polonius? And he says he's getting, the, he's at dinner. <laughs> but he's not eating. The worms are eating him, pretty much, to paraphrase the phrase. So I think a Shakespearean reference and a Pink Floyd reference built into a punk rock. I really can't reference. fault any of that. <laughs> <laughs> but what was, it's funny because it's really, I think, underneath all of this conversation, and this also figures into a story that Susan Spencer wrote just the other day for us about how Worcester's perceived. Right. It feels like all of a sudden we're worrying about how Worcester's perceived, and this is why I see this as kind of a cultural issue, which is why I'm talking about it here. Right. There's this 
Wormtown is a piece of our identity. Like it, hate it, it's part of it's part of the identity. Right. Um, whether or not you believe Notre Dame Church down the street here should or should not be preserved for whatever reason, that we're having this argument because it's part of our identity. And we're having these arguments about our identity because it feels like the culture is changing here. Right. And I'm really just kind of, I, that's, I'm struck by this very much all of a sudden, that, that things are changing. But I want to stick to rock and roll for one second here. Where some of the bands that emerged out of that right. time. Well, as you, well, you're a transplant, so uh, you, this is all hearsay for you. Yeah. Uh, but I, the, the most intense activity during the Wormtown era uh, occurred over a three-month period from 77 to 78 with a series of shows at the now-defunct Circe's Nightclub, Ooh. which is where Sticks Noodle Bar <laughs> is now on Franklin Street. There should be a plaque. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and I actually had a search on that because uh, I was just a kid then, so I wasn't catching shows back then. Uh, I almost told you I had a fake ID back then, but I was still would have been too young to get in with that. Uh, but it established such local bands as Hooker, Crazy Jack, and the Blue Moon Band. And the Blue Moon Band featured Barb and Kathy Peters, the undisputed king and queen of Wormtown, even though they've parted ways since. Mm. But they uh, would later become the creatures of the ha- of habit. And uh, the Free Radicals and Kathy is still very much active in the scene with Muscula. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't butcher that. Massacre. Massacre, thanks. And, of course, she had an incomparable Bob Jordan. Of course. Uh, even though he's no longer in the city. No, but he does come back on a fairly yeah, regular basis. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a member of the Hollywood Hollow Bodies back then, and a very active, and still very active person in the music scene. Also, in the early 80s, you had memorable bands as the Performers, the Commandos, the Crybabies, the Prehab Messiahs, the, the Bermondos, and the Odds. And the Odds was probably one of the bigger ones because uh, it featured uh, Preston Wayne and J.J. Rassler who uh, both bolted, bolted from a Boston punk band that was actually very popular during that period, DMZ. Hmm. And uh, Rascal was actually a Boston guy who decided that Boston was taking themselves way too seriously and at the urging of Wayne, uh, relocated the, uh, to Worcester and the odds became legendary in these parts. They, they played 21 consecutive Tuesday night shows at Ralph's in 82. Wow. Three sets each night. They played at CBGB's in New York City and they split bills with the Smithereens. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah, and then, uh, they, of course, the odds ran its course, but Wayne went into the Time Beans and the Preston Wayne Four, while Rassler played with the Queers and uh, others before settling into the Downbeat Five and uh, and uh, establishing a long career as coordinator of tour publicity for the bands on Round the Records. So, so he had a great music career. Excellent. So, yeah, that's a really strong scene. It all emerged from this period where people there were people that were sort of in the establishment were viewing it as being sort of an attack on the city but it actually right. created the, something that's integral to this city's cultural fabric and you also not to interrupt and i hope i did no no I, if i did that hit me in the back of the head not a problem. <laughs> uh you had great clubs back then mm. very gritty clubs i mentioned Cersei's exit 13 
uh, club that I used to frequent uh, when I was 15. Uh, That's where the fake ID comes yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sh- uh, which was right off of Millbury Street. And they hosted uh, the likes of the replacements and the Chesterfield Kings there. And JC's, another great uh, bar on Foster Street. Rick's on Main Street, which when we had the Google Dolls perform mm-hmm. uh, back here in December at Mechanics Hall, they reminisced about how they used to be a little punk band out of Buffalo that played at Rick's and went out the back door why they were still playing to go out the f- uh, and end up in the front of the place and <laughs> go back. So they had good memories. And of course, Ralph's, of course, which, which is, is still big. around, still a major uh, force. They hosted great shows with Who's Do and a Henry Rollins fronted Black Flag during the Slip It In tour. So we had a scene. And one more thing I'd like to re- uh, point out uh, Strawberries, Records, and Tapes on Trenny f- <laughs> Front Street had a cool punk rock vinyl section. You know, featuring uh, social distortions, suicidal tendencies, the Dead Kennedys, fear, black flag, readily available at your fingertips. So we, it was a good scene. And I think somebody we knew used to work there at that. <laughs> yes, I worked there from 83 <laughs> to 87. Even though I just got paid minimum wage, it was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Excellent, excellent. But yeah, that's a lot of history, and I think we still feel a lot of that history around today, especially yeah. at Ralph's, which is, out of all those Absolutely. venues, the one that's still kicking. I was just there on Monday, in fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we talk about this name. We, It's funny, because Worcester's a city where people argue over, we get very tensed up on how the city is pronounced. Right. You know, say Worcester. <laughs> if you've got the right accent, Worcester's okay, yeah. or Worcester. Uh. But... Worcester or yeah. something like that will get claws out on people. Right. So perhaps it's not all that surprising, actually, that we argue over what nickname <laughs> we should use. Um, we've got Wormtown, of course, which we've been talking about. The Woo is a new one. I admit, I don't personally care for it. I like a lot of the things that people are doing with it. I think there's a lot of great festivals and such that are around. There's an amazing, wonderful community vibe. It- not me. Maybe it's for somebody aimed at somebody younger than me. I don't right. know. Um, but it's not one I respond well to. I, I, it brings out my inner Jordan Levy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, to comment briefly on the woo, personally, and I'm always speaking personally on this, to me, the woo sounds too much like the loo. <laughs> which is, of course, British for toilet or bathroom. So to me, it's like, let's go to the woo and move our bowels or pass water. I don't like the name, but I do agree with you 100% that the efforts behind the reemergence of art and culture in the city using the word moniker is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 why I hate the name, despise the name, I love what they've been doing under the, or behind the name. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the that's the key. These things become tied to sort of movements, and I think that is very much about a... The woo is very much about a contemporary right. sort of almost top-down cultural... You know, trying to bring forward all the cultural elements in the town, and I like that. Right. I really do. And th- even... Uh, one, uh, now, I talked to uh, uh, L.B. Worm. He, he doesn't like... He, he had negative things to say, which we don't have to get into. Uh, David Fields uh, from Wormtown Brewery didn't have much uh, to say good about the wool. And Mr. Levy, who... Uh, 
isn't big on Wormtown, isn't big on Woe either. He just doesn't like nicknames, does he? But actually, he said that. He says, everybody, and this is a quote, everybody seems to think we need some catchy phrases. I think in my career, I've probably been through 30 catchy phrases. If I had a t-shirt for everyone, I would never have to change my clothes. And he's saying that we don't need uh, a moniker. We are, we're not the sleeping little cousin anymore. We're a vibrant and an economic hub. And why not just be Worcester? Well, that's fine. But even New York's got nicknames, and Los Angeles has nicknames. It's just sort of things people do. And I think it's also... It also you're talking about what, City of Angels. City of Angels. Tinseltown. Tinseltown. Yeah, the Big Apple. I mean, those, those, those are, you know, cheeky and those yeah, work. And, and but, some of the inner neighbor, yeah. uh, neighborhoods within those towns, of course, also have right. their own their own nicknames which and you, cultural yeah, identities. Which you would know... Uh, absolutely. But, yeah, you know, and I'm always re- reminded when we're having this Wormtown conversation of the great Mick Jagger line from from um, Shat- the song Shattered, come on, bite the big apple, don't mind the maggots. It's <laughs> not always, you know, it's not, we're not the only ones that do this with our city. I think, I think there's always going to be an element of biting the hand that feeds you a little bit in there, and that's and, okay. And, of course, kids out there, Some Girls is the last great Rolling Stone album, and it's a great album. Yeah, there's I can't very, argue with that. There's been, I mean, uh, Tattoo You was a very good album. Yeah. But it wasn't. A, it wasn't a great album. It wasn't a great album. It was a good album, though. But yeah, no. You know, some girls made in the shade. We have that kind of an era <laughs> going there. But anyway. But yeah. Now, of course, the other nickname that has emerged over the past decade odd, give or take, maybe a little longer, is Wartown, which is one a lot of readers aren't probably familiar with because it's come out of the hip hop scene. It's come out. Of, it's come out of the inner city city part of Worcester, and it's really. Fi- I'm finding it interesting because it's catching on now i hear it more and more in other parts of the city when people are talking you know and i think it's probably because the hip-hop scene's ascendant just like in the eight nineteen eighty 1980 the punk rock scene was ascendant right so now we're getting to a point where we actually have a vibrant hip-hop scene in the city um and we'll talk about that in a second um out of what are out of the rock scene though some of the what are some of the ones kicking around still from that original era that are still doing some really incredible well, work I mean uh, sorry about that <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean um, um, I, I I mean uh, we um, I mean it seems like now when it comes to the music and you correct me if I'm wrong on this that uh, a lot of the music scene now is a lot of singer-songwriters. Sure, that's a big part of it. And uh, like uh, James uh, Keys, James who, Keys, who we both love as an artist and nice guy, uh, he was a, he's a member of uh, the Numbskulls when they play, which yep. is is one of the better bands. When yeah, they, that's a fa- fantastic punk band. Yeah, and uh, and I guess we have a, a few punk bands still going around. Uh, uh, Evil Felipe. Evil Felipe. Felipe. That's a very young band. Yeah. And, I mean, they're an up-and-coming now. Color uh, Color Killer? I'm not familiar with them. Uh, they're one of the up-and-coming bands. But it's not... Uh, I, and, and, and in the 90s, we had a lot of great bands. Black Rose Garden, mm-hmm. Bonehead, Pathetics. Uh, we had uh, a few years back, we had a Reunion of the Missionaries, another great band that emerged during that period. But we don't seem to... It seems like... Uh, 
I mean, we we know the regulars, and we know the mm-hmm. the Duncans and the Rogers and sure. uh, Johns and uh, whoever else. Uh, I mean, that always love to jam together. I mean, we have a lot of talent, and as sure, you a lot of good, good hip hop scene is definitely. Uh, that, yeah, they're really on the rise right yeah. now. No, it's like we still have. I mean, some of those old guard bands, for instance. Um, Steve Going from Wilbur and the Dukes right. is going to be playing this in the next few days sometime, depend time at um, Bull Mansion. That is going to be actually on May 18th. Um, he's playing with the James Montgomery Blues Band. But we're, that's, again, we're talking which out of the blues which and rock can't be. Yeah. That's a great, that's a yeah. fantastic show. And we're going to be talking out of blues there. Yeah. We're going to be talking about, you know, old school rock. Yeah. And... We're we're still seeing a lot of these old old guard bands. The time beings who you man, mentioned right. are still playing around. Um, the Prefab Messiahs just put out a new album. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've 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 come back together and they've for the past year they've year, year, couple years they've been putting out some fantastic music. Right. Actually, top of their game. Oh, dynamite! Excellent. Yeah. The, so it's been exciting. But really, right now, I think with the ascendancy of Joyner Lucas, who's now being name checked by Eminem <laughs> and things like that. And we're seeing Ghost of the Machine, DJ Manipulator right. and Lou Gons, um, um, Danny Phantom, some of these amazing artists coming out. We've got something new and exciting. And right. maybe in 20 years, we'll be arguing about whether or not the city should still be called Wartown or not. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, obviously, you're better versed on Wartown than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a story behind it? Or If there I mean, is, I don't it? know it yet. I, I've, nobody has actually been able to tell it to me yet, so I, I'm going to go. If anybody out there actually knows the story behind the name Wartown, I'd like to hear it <laughs> because I am unfamiliar with it, and I've been trying to find out. So maybe that's another podcast. Cool. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Craig, thank you very much. It's Victor, been a, a nice as always, it's always great to chat and about music in the city. Always, always. And we're going to be back next week. And again, our theme music was composed by DJ Manipulator. Thank you. Good night.